Hello, everyone, and welcome to Think Yourself Healthy podcast. I'm your host, Heather Duranja. Let's dive into today's episode. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, I have special guest. This is a manifestation for me, Bruce H. Lipton, PhD, who is an internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirit, stem cell biologist, best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, and recipient of the 2009 Goy Peace Award. He has been a guest speaker on hundreds of TV and radio shows, as well as a keynote presenter for national and international conferences. Bruce, thank you so much for being with us today. This is a dream come true for me. Heather, I am so delighted to be with you, A, because number one, you're a voice helping the people out there in the world accommodate a new evolution, because if you've looked out the window, you've seen the whole world's in chaos right now. Uh, and there's meaning behind it. It's not an accident. And so I want to thank you for providing a platform where I perhaps I can share some empowering information with our audience because um, this is a participatory evolution. That yeah. means you're not going to just sit at home and it's going to happen. You're going to be participating and creating an evolution that will help us move into the future. Well, I love that. And I think that this is an excellent place to start this conversation. Because as you mentioned, it's very difficult to look outside and not see the chaos. And there are a lot of individuals, in my opinion, whom have been trying to just kind of bury their head into the ground or hide behind the media or whatever it might be. And so I would love to dive right in and kind of have a little chat around this. You have to participate kind of Talk to me about what this means for us, because there's many who are just trying to avoid the participation part. Okay, well, you know what? We're gonna start with the most basic science on this planet. And the most basic science is quantum physics. And I go, well, to me, uh, and the reasons to support it is the most valid of all sciences on the planet because uh, there were theoretical prognostications in 1927 before they even understood it about what it would represent. And almost all those insights are true. So it's like, well, this is a pretty valid understanding of the science. And I go, so what? And here we go. The first principle of quantum physics is that consciousness is creating our life experiences. I go, well, wait a minute. My consciousness is creating this? And a lot of people will turn around and go, I I wouldn't, I don't want to, I didn't create that mess, did I? No. Uh, And and as a result of that, uh, there's a tendency to believe that we are victims of the world uh, and it's happening to us without recognizing the fundamental truth of the physics is that our consciousness is creating all of this. Mm -hmm. That's really hard for people who have been uh, grown up and programmed in a world where they believe they have no power. Right. Like, oh, your life, genes control that. Everything else, oh, corporation, you're just, put your head down, as you said, keep walking. (laughs) And, And the fact is then we, Uh, appear to ourselves to be powerless and powerless means victim Mm -hmm. meaning i i have no control over this who will help me get through this 
And then all of a sudden, uh, well, we have uh, banks, we have pharmaceutical company, we have government. And you say, oh, these are supposed to help me get through it. I say, no, they're using you. <laughs> and you were expecting them to help you. And I go, no, they have programmed you to be powerless. And the significance of this is, well, let's understand something that has been around for about 400 years, and that is the Jesuits, the Catholic organization, have been telling their followers for 400 years that give me the child until it is seven and I will show you the man. Now, people hear that and they go, oh, right, all right. I say, no, you didn't understand what they meant for 400 years and that is this the first seven years of your life you are being programmed and we'll talk about that mm -hmm. and then the rest of your life 95 percent of it is coming from the program mm -hmm. you're not living the life that you want you're living the life you've been programmed to live now the problem is this if they're empowering programs then your life is really great but if they're disempowering programs, then your life is a, a life of uh, victim, powerlessness, help me, uh, you know, genes uh, control my life. Oh my God, uh, who's, oh, pharmaceutical company, they're coming to help me. Uh, oh, <laughs> I have a lot of money to put in the bank. Yes, we're your friendly banker, bring your money and bring it right in here. Mm -hmm. And then you say, yeah, but I need some money. And they go, uh, see you around, folks. <laughs> They're not that friendly all of a sudden, you know. Uh, and government design was supposed to represent the people, democracy. But the truth is, they no longer do this. I go, what do you mean? I go, well, simple one. Uh, the country was questioned, uh, do you want to have people have background checks before buying a gun? 90% of the public said yes, and the government voted no. Oh, wow. So there's a very simple point. Mm -hmm. Who do they represent? Because apparently 90% of the people, they don't represent them. <laughs> and I go, they represent corporations. Mm -hmm. uh, and the idea is once a, a phony establishment, and it wasn't really real, was established that corporations are like people, then they were able to participate like people in the government. Mm -hmm. But clearly they're not like people <laughs> at all. And they're the ones with the money mm -hmm. and they're the ones that buy the legislation. Mm -hmm. NRA, nope, no background checks. Let the kid buy at 16 an automatic weapon. No prob. I go, who are you representing here? I go, NRA, mm -hmm. pharmaceutical company. Oh, hey, COVID's out there. You better listen to these people. They're going to tell you exactly what to do. You go home and separate yourself from everybody else. And I go, you didn't understand that people only have power when they're in a community. Mm -hmm. When there's no community, people have no power. Right. And this is exactly what happened during the COVID scare. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and the significance is somehow or other, we've been lulled into thinking that things are going to take care of us. Right. The insurance company is going to take care of us. Say, Not really. Assurance company makes money by what? You pay them premiums. And then when you have a claim, they try not to give you any money back. That's how you make a profit. <laughs> if I give you all the money back, I make a profit. So insurance company takes your money, try to get it back. Right. You see? Mm -hmm. So there's this issue of let's program people like the Jesuits said, seven years. And during that program, we take away their power. I go, 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the uh, story tonight, headline edition. You are a very powerful person until your program says you're not a very powerful person because that program runs 95% of the time and determines the character of your life. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I go, what do you mean I was uh, misprogrammed? I go, here's the point. The brain is a computer. And if you go out, let's take the story of a conventional computer, you go to the store, you buy one, you take it home, plug it in, push start, boots up, screen lights up. And then I say, okay, Heather, now do something. Like um, make a drawing, write an essay. And you go, no, I can't. I said, well, not. He said, well, first, after buying the computer, I have to put programs in the computer, then I can use the computer. So I go, oh, well, that's absolutely true. And I go, well, guess what? The human brain is a computer. It boots up in the last trimester of pregnancy, screen is on, but you cannot use that computer until programs are installed. And this is what now we understand that the Jesuits knew. That for the first seven years, the brain activity of a child is not engaged in higher vibration of consciousness. It's in a lower vibration for the first seven years, predominantly in something called theta. Mm -hmm. Theta is hypnosis. Theta is imagination in a sense of character. And I go, yeah, this is exactly why kids under seven can mix the real imaginary worlds seamlessly. Mm -hmm. the, the famous tea party, we pour nothing into the cup, but we drink the nothing. And it was like the best tea that I ever had in my life. I go, Theta, that's what Theta is, okay? The broom is not a horse, in Theta it is, okay? Mm -hmm. So I go, so Theta is imagination, but Theta is hypnosis. I go, relevance. A child's brain is not using consciousness for all seven years as a, it's not a predominant state. Mm -hmm. And I say the predominant state of the brain of a child under seven is theta hypnosis. I say, why? Because the simple point is this, how many rules do we need to understand how to be a member of a family? How many rules do we have to know how to live with that community? There are rules out there, right? you know? Uh, how a father talks daily. to his, what's that? And some change daily. Yeah, and, and the problem is programs don't. Mm. Okay, here's the, here's the reality. The conscious mind is the equivalent of the person typing on the keyboard, adding data that they want. Mm -hmm. The subconscious mind is the hard drive. It's just got programs in it. Conscious mind is creative. The subconscious mind is habit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I say programs are habits. Yep, I say, and we get these programs in the first seven years, as a Jesuit said, because the brain of a child is in a state of hypnosis to download what? A thousand, two thousand, three thousand facts of how to be a member of a family, what you can do and what you can't, how to be a member of that community, what you can do, the rules and what you can't do. You know, the father talks to his own child different than he talks to the neighbor's child. The father talks different to the wife than he does to the neighbor's wife. The father talks different to the policeman than he talks to anybody else. And I go, well, there's what, five different, uh, uh, you know, ways of communicating. Just five different ways just from that alone. Right. I say, when, so I say, nature designed the child to download these behaviors, to put the programs in so that the brain, when it gets online around age seven, it can operate and then be functional computer, Okay. So basically, then it says the first seven years, you are 
unconscious in a sense of uh, consciousness as we know it, but you're in a state of theta, which is hypnosis, which means you're downloading behavior. And I say, from where? Mother, father, family, community, I download. And I go, well, what's the significance of that? And the significance is profound for the reason is this. You're downloading their behavior. They don't necessarily want what you want. Or, or if they have a defect in their behavior, you just downloaded that too. So you downloaded other people's behavior. Most of it doesn't have any thing that you wanted it was what they wanted okay and if there were defects in their behavior you downloaded that as well so all of a sudden i say well then the programs that are in your subconscious primarily did not come from you i go right that a and b a these programs may not support any of your wishes and desires and b if there are defects in the download then you have defects in the program so I go, okay, now what? I got programmed so the computer can kick in. Age seven, I can now start typing on the keyboard, put my wishes and desires, conscious mind, into that hard drive. I go, and this is the crux of the problem, Heather. So I try to shorten it so we can have more discussion here. <laughs> but, uh, the crux of the problem is simply this, that the programs that are downloaded in the first seven years are downloaded before you have consciousness. So you have no real awareness of most of these programs. I'll give you a simple example. You were programmed uh, months before you were born. Tell me a program you learned in the womb. I don't know. Okay. You were programmed a whole year from zero to one. You tell me a program that happened in that whole year. You go, no, I wasn't there. From one to two, another whole year. I have no idea. Two to three. I might start be picking something up that I can remember at three. But before that, I don't. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden I say, guess what? The programs in your computer are not in your consciousness, the, the ones you got, the fundamental programs in the first seven years, because consciousness was not observing those programs going in. Mm -hmm. They went in just like a video recorder. Boom, in, in. So if I say, so uh, Heather, so what program did you get when you were two? And, and you're gonna go, so now I wanna help people because the first thing I have to tell you is this. Yes, we can create our lives with our conscious mind. You can create heaven on earth and you have done it. And I'll tell you when later, hold that secret. But the fact is this, the conscious mind, the creative mind can create, but it can think. So I say, well, imagine your body is like a vehicle and you got a steering wheel. And I say, and the conscious mind is the driver. I say, where do you think you're going? Wishes and desires, imagination. I want health, happiness, love, relationships, money. I want, yeah, I want, I want. I go, that's a vision in the creative conscious mind. Mm -hmm. And I go, so when the conscious mind's driving, you're on that trail. But then comes the monkey wrench that nobody knows. And it's the whole reason the problems we have are here is that the conscious mind can not only look out the windshield of the vehicle you're driving, going to where you want to go, but the conscious mind can think and all of a sudden it says, so? And here it is, ladies and gentlemen, monkey wrench of your life. And that is this, when you are thinking, your conscious mind is not looking out, thinking is looking in. So when you're looking for a thought, you're not paying attention to what's on the outside, you're paying attention to what's on the inside. So the moment you're thinking, then conscious mind is not looking out the windshield, but your vehicle's going down the road. In real life, you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you start thinking, I said, guess what? Your attention is not looking out that window. Mm -hmm. I go, well then, 
how come I didn't kill myself? I go, because, and here it is, subconscious is autopilot. Whenever the conscious is busy doing some task and another task is going on, then the subconscious will pick up that task. So in other words, I'm driving the car, I'm going to where my intention wants me to go. I start thinking about something. And the moment I do that, subconscious steps in. So the car is still being driven by what? <laughs> the subconscious brain is a million times more powerful computer than the conscious mind. So you're in better hands. <laughs> Let the subconscious mind drive it. It's paying much more attention than your conscious mind can. But the point is this. When you are thinking, you let go of the control. Mm -hmm. And when you are thinking, the subconscious programs you downloaded from others take over. Mm -hmm. Then the behavior you're playing when you're thinking is not your behavior. It's the behavior of the other people that you downloaded, okay? Now, if they were problematic people, but you downloaded their behavior, when you are thinking, you are playing a problematic behavior, but you're the one that can't see it. Mm -hmm. Why? Why are you playing the behavior? Because conscious mind is looking in, not looking out. So that whatever behavior I'm playing at that time when I'm thinking, I'm the one that doesn't see it. And yet everybody else does. Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden that my life is not being controlled by my wishes and desires because 95% of life is coming from the program. You're manifesting the program you've been downloaded with. Now, if there are disempowering or self-sabotaging or limiting beliefs in those programs, you will manifest those all the time. Will you know it? No. And I say, why? Why are you playing the program? The answer is, oh, my consciousness is not paying attention. So then whatever program is being played, the only one who doesn't see it is me. <laughs> and so that's why the uh, a story comes in. It goes, you have a friend and you know your friend's behavior very well. And you happen to know your friend's parent. One day you see your friend has the exact same behavior there as parents. So it excites you enough. You want to tell your friend, you go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. I know exactly what Bill's going to do. And he's going to do like this. How can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. Now, my audiences laugh. I go, why? Because they've experienced this. Mm -hmm. I say, now let me tell you the potent story of that experience. Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who didn't see it was Bill. And I go, significance of that is then Bill does not know if he's playing a program that supports him or a program that sabotages him because he's not paying attention to the program. And as a result, if he's playing negative programs, then the experience is when he becomes alert for a moment, it's like, well, this is not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I go, when you were uh, thinking, the subconscious program with its defects took over and look where you ended up and you didn't see it. And I say, then here's where the problem comes from. When people don't see they're participating, they believe I'm just a receiver. It's happening to me. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden they say, I'm a victim. I wanted to be successful. It didn't work. I wanted to be healthy. I'm not. And I go, oh, I say, why not? You go, well, that caused a problem. And this person interfered. And I can give you every reason why. It happened to me, except for the, the main one, and that is my subconscious mind did this and I didn't see it. And that's why we become victims in a world. And when we realize we have no power, and here's the problem, 
When a person finds himself powerless, what do you think they look for? Somebody powerful. Yeah. And, and, and I say, and what about that? I said, you'll pay them whatever the cost is mm -hmm. because you realize I need them. Not me. It's they'll protect me. And I go, oh, <laughs> that's because you believe you're a victim that all these things are happening to you by accident. I go, no, we are all Bill. Every one of us is Bill. Every one of us every day, 95% of the day, are playing programs because the conscious mind is busy thinking. The programs are playing. We got these programs from other people. We do not observe the programs because the conscious mind is thinking. So all of a sudden, then your life is controlled by the program. And I go, voila, the Jesuits said that from the very beginning. Give me the program for seven years. The rest of your life is that. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, that, uh, you know, that philosophy is actually, you know, that's science. You're, you are creating this life without any knowledge of it. And it becomes important to say, you, so here, here's the conclusion. So we can then get a question from you that I can answer. Conclusion of this is simply, our consciousness is creating these experiences. And I said, you know, if you're, there's two, two things that will illustrate this to you right away. Number one is the fact that something called the placebo effect. I said, what's that? I said, well, you're sick. And the doctor comes up and says, this is the newest medicine, especially designed for you. And this will heal you. And you take the pills and you get better. And then you find out the pill was a sugar pill. Then this is where the definition comes in. I said, then what healed you? Not the pill, the belief in the pill. Mm -hmm. But the belief in this case was positive thinking because you were creating a healing. I'm going to get healed from the pill. So you created the healing. The pill didn't have anything to do with it. You just took that in. That's called placebo. Positive thinking created health. Okay. And everyone, yeah, yeah, placebo stuff. And then number two is, well, the one you don't talk about is what about negative thinking? I go, why? I said, everyone talks about positive thinking. I, and I go, but negative thinking is equally powerful, but it just works in the opposite direction. Well, a positive belief leads to a placebo, a healing. A negative belief can lead to any disease, even death, just because of the belief, not because of any physical thing in your whole body, because it's the power of belief. Whatever you believe is a manifestation. So positive beliefs that you hold return to you with the positive things you like. Negative beliefs prevent you from getting things that you want because the negative belief cancels going in that direction. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it all comes down to belief. What about genes? And the answer is, well, this is a story of epigenetics. Well, quantum physics says belief and consciousness is controlling our life. The new science epigenetics is the understanding that mind and consciousness control our genes, not our genes control us. Mm -hmm. and, and it's because the belief that genes control you, victim. I'm sorry, you got that cancer gene, babe. You're going to die. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's the belief that, oh my God, uh, I got this gene. I didn't pick him. I can't change him. Mm -hmm. And then the science is, oh, that turns on and off by itself. I have no control over my genes. My genes will give me cancer. They'll turn on. 
I'm going to have cancer, victim. And I go, yeah, but the new science of epigenesis, the truth, genes don't turn on and off. Genes are blueprints to make the body parts called proteins. They're blueprints. I go, significance is so profound. Go into an architect's office and she's working on a blueprint. Lean over her shoulder and say, excuse me, is, is your blueprint on or off? And she would look at you like, what are you, crazy? It's a blueprint. There's no on and off to a blueprint. <laughs> I go, absolutely true. A gene is a blueprint. It cannot turn itself on. It cannot turn itself off. You need an architect. I go, oh, who's the architect? The mind. Whatever picture the mind holds, that picture is translated into complementary chemistry to match the picture. That chemistry goes through the body and adjusts the body to be a complement to the picture. Mm -hmm. The picture is positive and love and happiness. You've got a great thing going. Picture is struggle, stress, unhealth, and all that. I'm sorry, you've got bad issues coming. And the idea is it's as simple as that. And one of the biggest problems on the planet is we don't trust simplicity. Right. Well, but simple, it can't be that good. I know, but I got, you just told me that in a paragraph, but this guy gave me a five-hour lecture on it. Right. How can a paragraph help the lecture? So I, I, it's like, no, you've got it wrong. Nature is simple. Mm -hmm. Humans are complex. Mm -hmm. I talked a lot. Maybe, maybe you should offer some wisdom there for us. Well, huh? I'm telling you, this is so, all of this hits home for me so hard because back in 1994, I got diagnosed with a chronic kidney disease and they told me that I only had five years to live and I was either going to be on dialysis or transplant. And then at that time, I could not get health insurance because I just got diagnosed with this autoimmune chronic kidney disease. And I was not a full-time student, so got kicked off my parents' health insurance. And they told me there was absolutely nothing that I could do to change the prognosis, that within five years, it was going to be trans dialysis and then transplant or death. And for whatever reason, there was this intuitive feeling deep within me that said, I just, I can't accept that as my truth. I just can't buy this. And I'm going to be very transparent with you. I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in myself at this time, my friend, because I had graduated high school. I also was diagnosed learning disability very early on in age. And so I graduated high school with a 1.7 GPA, didn't have a whole lot of confidence in how I was going to navigate that Dewey Decimal System, much less read through some sort of complex science health you know, informative book. But I was determined. I was determined that I was going to figure it out. And in all reality, this was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because that empowered me to start making changes with my environment and my lifestyle habits that truly created a, a momentum of just healing and you know, longevity and vitality and all of these amazing things. And it empowered me to choose to become the middleman, the dietitian, uh, to help do a lot of the wrong that's happening you know, in our healthcare system. And I went in clinically and tried to work that route. And um, it was just very defeating because I realized that the systems are set up for sick care, not preventative measures. And as a result of that, once you're the victim, it's very difficult to no longer be the victim because you don't know how to identify with anything else. 
So, you know, when I came across your work, um, for me, this was a game changer because it validated all of the intuitive beliefs that I had had around this idea that we don't necessarily need medicine or Western medicine specifically um, in order to be healthy and that we have everything we need right here. And majority of it is free. It doesn't even cost <laughs> money. Like, yeah. what the, you know? Well, and the money issue is a real important one, as you recognize, because I did the same thing. I, I was part of the university. I had health care. And then I walked out of the university. I had no health care. Yeah. I had no job either. Right. And I got a bill for the first month after I walked out. And it's like $1,500 for the month of health care. And it's like, holy crap, you know, for all the years, the university paid for this. Now it's on my shoulders. I don't have $1,500 a month. So right. guess what? No health care. I didn't have health care from then until it was almost uh, 15, 20 years later when I got to be 65 and then just got given healthcare from my social security. But what did I do like you did? It's sort of like, um, I can't afford this. And therefore uh, I have to do it a different, I have to do this, I have to take care of myself. Right. That was what the point was. I realized I had no healthcare and I have to take care of myself with the knowledge that I can't afford to get sick right and that consciousness is what drove me and obviously what ended up healing you yeah and you know i think that for a lot of people this becomes a very burdensome task when this responsibility falls on their shoulders and they recognize that they now are the creator of the outcomes that you know are associated with their physical mental emotional well-being and most people run from that because we haven't been taught from the get-go how powerful we truly are. We have, you know, I, there was a talk that you did many years ago that really um, Im impacted me because you were discussing how from a very early age as children, when we're not feeling good and we go to mom, what does mom say to us when we don't feel good? We have to go to the doctor we're going to have to see the doctor. And as a result of this, we hand our power away immediately to the white coats. And ultimately, only they have the final opinion on what our prognosis is going to be and how we get there. And the program said, you have no power, but that doctor does. Yes. So that doctor's words become your truth. Yes. And if it's a negative diagnosis or prognosis like you ended up having, mm -hmm. then the doctor is going to spout out these words. Oh, so many months. This is going to be a problem. This is going to fall apart. And I go, when you are the victim because you accepted those words to be truth. Right. Then those words will manifest. And this is where the problem is, where doctors' prognoses end up, actually, it's not a suggestion, it's creating a manifestation, <laughs> because the recipient is going to take that picture, put it in their head, and if I wanted to simplify the whole biology thing, is simply this, the blood of the body is the culture medium in which our cells grow. The chemistry of the culture medium determines the genetics and the behavior of the cells. So then I say, so the blood is culture medium and it's giving energy to the cells, but also information. I say, where's the information coming from? The chemistry, I go, the brain. Mm -hmm. 
So I say, oh, the brain is the chemist that's putting the chemicals in that determine the genetics and behavior. I go, yes. Then comes the most important part. I said, so what chemicals should the brain be putting into that blood? And all of a sudden, here's the answer. The picture you hold in your mind is translated into complementary chemistry that is then released into the blood. So the body becomes a physical manifestation of the picture in the mind. And unfortunately, 95% of the pictures we're creating throughout the day are of pretty chaotic, disempowering images that aren't supporting us. And no, not but, who are, but they're supporting somebody. Think about it for a second. Many, many, many systems. Yeah, the pharmaceutical company thrives. I say, why? Do they heal us? No, that's not the intention. The intention is just to hold on. Right. <laughs> like, continue to cool. take, take this drug. I say like, oh, you have high cholesterol. You need to take statins. How long do I need to take statins? How long do you want to live? Oh, this is a prescription for life. Yeah. Oh, what a drug dealer. He's hooked me for life. Uh, and the point about it is this. From biomedical understanding, statins don't work. <laughs> they work for 3% of the people the ones that are the most closest to heart attacks. 97% of statin takers have no benefit right. from taking statin. And here comes the clincher, about 23% of them will have adverse side effects. So I said, so let's do the math. Everybody, 100 people take statins. Three of them got better, 23 got worse. <laughs> I go, sign me up. <laughs> and, and this is the issue, but the belief system is you have a problem, we have a drug, mm -hmm. okay? Now, sometimes the drugs can be placebos. They actually don't do anything. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest placebos, this is great because nobody understands it. From a biochemical assessment, one of the greatest placebos in the world is Prozac. Why? Yeah. It doesn't work. Interesting. No. It's worked when compared to controls, which are, you know, people who think they're taking Prozac, but they're just taking a regular pill. The controls and the Prozac people came out with the same results. Point was what? The Prozac wasn't any better than a sugar pill, <laughs> but there are side effects. And that's where the problems come in with, with the Prozac stuff. But the reality is it's recognized by science that Prozac is a placebo. But it's a damn good placebo. I have to admit why. Because there are side effects. And I say, well, so what? And I go, well, you take a sugar pill and now it's just, I really believe that pill is working. You take a Prozac and you go, ooh, it's working. I can feel it. Ah, that's better than I think it's working. It's working because I can feel it. It's a better, a better placebo. Yeah. So if it generates some sort of physical symptom, whether it's increasing your body temperature or tingling in your arm, that's enough to convince yourself that something happened I need. because a sugar pill won't do anything. Yeah. And sugar pills work because it basically it's a belief. Mm -hmm. But Prozac works better because it's more than a belief because now there's a physical experience that's enforcing the belief. Mm -hmm. That's why but it works better. So what I'm hearing you tell me here is that the reality is humans are incredible manifestors. However, the programs that we have inherited to manifest are not serving us in any way. 
there it is. That's the conclusion right. of everything right this, there. This Except then, of course, the first question that comes up after I always give the lecture, which irritated me in the very beginning because I was so excited to show, here's the mechanism, how the thought was translated into brain chemistry, how the brain chemistry goes into the body and adjusts the genetics and adjusts the behavior. And I get so excited because look, it's a mechanism. And the first question after explaining what I thought was the most beautiful science was, how do you change the program? And it's like, jeez, you know, <laughs> that wasn't my field at the time. Right. But I, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the break moment when the break moment happened. I've just given a talk in Colorado at a conference that goes every year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just finished my talk. First question, how do you change this? It's sort of like the balloon air just blew out. It's like, mm -hmm. after talking about all this beautiful science, nobody asked me a question about the science. They just wanted how to change it. And I said, oh yeah, blah, blah. It doesn't, I don't know. I, uh, and I grabbed my computer and I'm walking to the back of the room. The next presenter gets up and starts talking. And I hear as I'm walking away, I'm going to show you how to change those beliefs Bruce was talking about. And I go, huh? I turn around and there's this guy, Rob Williams, on the stage. And he's talking about a process called Psyche. And I'm just like, uh. you're really going to pick somebody in this audience right now and change their life in front of everybody in this audience during your lecture hour? Oh, right. So Rob asked the audience, who wants to change their belief? Two thirds, hands go up. One person like that. He saw her, I saw her. He says, he points to her, says, tell us your name and what you want to change. She just glowed like Rudolph's red nose. Her face just got red. A word didn't come out of her mouth. He walked into the audience, got next to her and he says, so uh, tell me your name. Oh, my name is Pauline. And what a problem do you have, Pauline? I can't speak in public. Well, that was pretty damn obvious. She couldn't even say her name. So right away, we got an issue right here. So I'm watching this going, oh, yeah, this, you know, he's going to change this. Way. They do this balance, they call it, in Psyche. And at the end of the balance, I'll never, ever, my whole life ever forget. At the end of the balance, where she's sitting in a chair, but she stands up and Rob puts his hand around her shoulder, faces her to the audience and says, Pauline, would you tell the audience what you just experienced? He took his hand off of her shoulder. And all of a sudden, she was walking up and down the stage, telling stories about her life and what happened here and what happened there. And was on, and everybody, and me too, was like, here's a woman who couldn't say her name. And here, I, the fun part is, Rob said, Pauline, please sit down. You're using my lecture time. <laughs> wow. That was my first experience of, you can change these things in, in minutes. Wow. They can be changed. I never saw that before. Yeah. And, and, and now experiencing with other modalities, which are called energy psychology, mm -hmm. it's absolutely true that you can change these programs very quickly. Uh, the old way is, um, hey, you got this through hypnosis. So you use auto hypnosis, earphones on at nighttime, play a program that you want to be true in your life, go to bed. And the moment you go unconscious, sleep, the next period of time, your brain is operating in theta hypnosis, and then it drops into sleep. So it says, if you put the earphones on, the moment you fall asleep, your conscious doesn't hear anything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Your subconscious is recording. And so you repeat the program every night, put the earphones on after a number of nights, 
you can wake up you already got the program and you know what the part was you didn't have to do anything but go to sleep <laughs> that was the cool <laughs> part okay uh, that's number one self-hypnosis number two is i said well you got programmed through age seven because your brain was in a state of theta hypnosis but after age seven you still learn things you learn how to drive a car play an instrument do complex work or whatever it is i say you learn these i said well how'd you learn them then i say repetition that's what makes habits. Mm -hmm. So you repeat something you want to be true and you just keep repeating it and repeating and repeating it. There's a point where the subconscious will go, I got it. Mm -hmm. And then we'll manifest that experience. And the third one we just mentioned was the amazing, miraculous concept of energy psychology, which offers an opportunity for something we would call super learning mm -hmm. to allow a new program to be installed in minutes and walk away a different person. And, and, and it's interesting because there's an old saying, necessity is the mother of invention. And I go, humans are now in a state of necessity to change their behavior because human behavior is undermining the web of life. And science has been telling people for 15 years, we're going extinct, not in a thousand years, but in a few decades, because we're destroying the web of life, not owning the fact that we are part of the web of life and the web of life collapses, so do we. And, and so the idea is it has to change human behavior. So energy psychology shows up, yeah, because I, I don't have a lot of time, I wanna change it. I say, good, let's just do energy psychology and get right in there and do it. Learning how the brain operates, then use it efficiently is energy psychology is the equivalent of pushing the record button on a system that doesn't take that doesn't record yeah. <laughs> normally and gives you an opportunity to rewrite a program mm -hmm. and we have to do this and then i say well we have to do it. and i go you know what all you have to do is look out the window and see the world is in a state of chaos everywhere and i go there's a reason for that chaos and that is we're destroying ourselves and nature is saying you cannot live this way anymore because your end is coming in decades. Right. You've got to change your behavior now. Yeah. Uh, 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 and so nature is giving us all the symptoms. We're not reading them. Right. Oh, it's an economic issue. Oh, no, it's a racial. No, it's a religious issue. It's a political issue. I go, no, it's overriding. It's called extinction. Mm -hmm. And nature is telling you, if you don't change your behaviors now, this thing is disappearing within the next few decades. It's going to collapse. NASA, doing worldwide research, came to a very positive, in a sense, secure conclusion, not positive, but secure. And that is human civilization, it's called industrial civilization, that's what we're in, is uh, facing, and I emphasize the word, irreversible collapse. That, that What science is telling you is, we have pushed the system, destroying nature without knowing that we're supposed to be taking care of it, like the natives did, mm -hmm. that we're destroying it. And that if we don't stop destroying nature, well, as nature collapses, the humans part of nature are automatically collapsing as well. Mm -hmm. And so the chaos that we see in the world is actually due to the fact that it's not sustainable, folks. And it has to break down because you can't build a sustainable future on the foundation of today's world because that's the one that's unsustainable. Right. So that says, then you want to move in the future, you have to break the structure because the structure is causing the problem. And so 
when you look at the world, and this is the difference between me and 99% of the other people, I look at the world and go, it's falling apart. Yeah, it's falling apart because if it doesn't, it's worse. And the other people are going, it's falling apart. I go, you gotta, you gotta understand, let go of this. Mm-hmm. You have to rewrite the programs because the programs that we have been uh, living by that were translated to us are programs of disempowerment and self-destruction. Mm-hmm. And that the self-destruction is now manifesting globally. Yeah. And, and that, well, you want to change this. It's not the planet <laughs> that has to change. It's us mm-hmm. because quantum physics, consciousness is creating this experience. <laughs> Right. And even though you're not aware, your subconscious is manifesting this experience. Mm-hmm. And if you want out, you have to get out of the subconscious. And I love this part, Heather. I just got to say, because there's a positive side here. Okay. And I say, the movie, The Matrix, mm-hmm. is it, you know where The Matrix title came from? Max Planck, founding father of quantum physics, 1927, wrote, the mind is the matrix of all matter. What he meant is the mind is the creator of all matter. And so it basically, that's where the movie comes in and says, we're all programmed. I go, well, that's a fact of life because as we mentioned, a child needs to get programmed to get off the ground. We're all programmed. Movie Matrix, so far documentary. Right. Then the movie The Matrix says, I got two pills. I got a blue pill and a red pill. Take the blue pill, you wake up and life is just the way it is. I go, yeah, yeah, that happens to us every night. We wake up and just wake up. And it's like, hey, it's the same as it was yesterday. But if you take the red pill, you get out of the program. Mm -hmm. And I go, and here's the fact. Almost everybody out here, if they're beyond teenagers, have taken a red pill. And it's so profound that their life changed in 24 hours. I go, what was that pill? Science has now recognized what it is. Falling in love. Falling in love is the important part of this is when you fall in love, you stay what is called mindful. I said, what is mindful? I said, you stop thinking. Because if you're thinking, guess what? Now you're going to play programs. But if you stop thinking, then the subconscious is not working anymore. Now it's the conscious mind that is controlling. And I say, well, when you finally stop playing the damn program, start using your conscious mind, like falling in love, 24 hours later, the blah, 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 blah life, in 24 hours, it's heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. You know, heaven on earth was always here. It's the damn programs that are keeping you from getting there. Mm-hmm. And the reality is falling in love is a momentary break where the honeymoon which is expressed as heaven on earth occurs because you stop playing programs for the first time. And now your conscious mind is not just working 5%, it's working over 90%. Mm-hmm. And the conscious mind is creative wishes and desires. So what do you think you went from blah, blah, blah program, 24 hours later, you were manifesting wishes and desires. That is the honeymoon. That is what the earth is all about. Earth is to be enjoyed, heaven, love, all of the aspects of the being here of it, mm-hmm. not the programs that have turned it into a, a garden that is under siege, the wars, the violence, the pollution, the destruction, those are programs. Mm-hmm. And when people fall in love, they stop playing the program. And within 24 hours, their life goes from blah, blah, blah to heaven on earth. And I go, well, guess what? If you didn't play the damn programs at all, then heaven on earth would be your life every day. Mm-hmm.
there's a problem. That means you have to stop thinking. Right. In our world, that is so difficult because there's so many demands. What are you doing today, tomorrow? What chores do you have lined up? What do you need to understand? Where are you going to go? What's going Thinking, thinking, thinking 95% of the day. Hence, our life is controlled by the programs because the conscious mind is not paying attention. Right. But when you fall in love, you stop thinking for a simple reason. You've been waiting for this person your whole life to show up. They're here. It's not time to think. It's time to be here and enjoy what's going on. And that's called the honeymoon. And then the unfortunate part is the honeymoon generally disappears within a short time because you have to start thinking again. And all of a sudden your behavior switches from wishes and desires into the programs where the negative things are. And all of a sudden you introduce into heaven on earth these negative programs heaven on earth disappears honeymoon over marriage counseling <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> but, but this is the beautiful part because if you know what we're talking about then the whole idea turns around to this well then if i understand this a if i stop thinking for a while at least i'm going to enjoy what i have and b if i can reprogram then what i'm doing then what if i put in my wishes and desires as programs Right. into the system then i go then guess what whether you're thinking or not thinking you're playing both times wishes and desires mm -hmm. it would be heaven on earth for as long as you live here well i say that as you know as i believe it because i've only been doing it for 25 years so far yeah and that is i mean i couldn't get a relationship off the ground for 40 plus years why if you got the programming of relationships that i downloaded from my father Mm -hmm. You would never have a relationship because he sucked at relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I downloaded his behavior, which meant I sucked at relationships until uh, I, I understood. Right. Well, and this is where the personal responsibility comes into play and you have to let go of this idea of being the victim, right? And you have to recognize your responsibility in playing out the stories of the characters that you inherited from that conditioning of your environment and their downloaded programs. Uh, absolutely. You have, to, you have to do it yourself. You, if you're waiting for some, I woke up one day and there was heaven here. I go, <laughs> the only way that can happen is you got shot in the head. You had amnesia. You have no program you can remember. And you wake up and say, I want to be in love. And I go, that's a program. <laughs> Incarnating on earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, let me suggest a movie that people should see just to get the understanding of this. It's a movie where Harrison Ford stars and it's called Regarding Henry. Okay. Uh, and it's profound. And what it's about, well, Henry is a lawyer, a seriously tough bastard lawyer. You know, he's a tough guy lawyer. And one evening he goes to the little deli near where he lives to get something. And when he goes in, there's a holdup going on. He gets shot in the head. So he, guess what? He wakes up, amnesia. I have no idea who the hell I am. He has not an idea, but he has a family and a practice and all that. He doesn't know anything. So he starts to say, well, you know, what, what was I, you know, what am I doing? So he went back and read his role in law cases. He looked at the old photographs and the old way of life and everything. And he started to look at that from the perspective of, I have no memory, but this was what it looked like. And he said to himself, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And guess what? With amnesia, no programs, he decided to put in what? Love, enjoying life, enjoying the family, living in nature and doing all these things. So what happened is he came with all these bad programs Mm -hmm. 
had a moment of amnesia where he didn't know who he was. And with consciousness had an opportunity to put in the programs he wanted mm -hmm. and then became that. And the idea is that we need the bullet in the head. I say, no, actually what we need to do is, as we mentioned is first identify the programs, which are 95% of your life. Mm -hmm. Again, the things that come into your life that you like are there because you have programs. The things that come into your life that you don't like are there because you have programs. And all of a sudden it says, well, then if I could rewrite these programs, and we talked about the first part, hypnosis, and then we talked about habituation, then we talked energy psychology, I can rewrite these programs and put in the ones I want. So just like Harrison Ford, I say, I want to have these wonderful characters in my subconscious. Why? The 95% of the day, whether I'm thinking or not, I'm playing what I want. And this is what we have to do. You look at the world, you have to let go of victim. Because victim says, I had nothing to do with it. That's what a victim, I don't know, he's powerless. Mm -hmm. I go, no, no, you're a creator. That's built into the physics. That's built into the biology, epigenetics. Because epigenetics is how your consciousness is adjusting the reading of your genes. And so I say, well, biology and quantum physics both agree that you are a creator in this particular mode. If you don't like the creation, stop blaming the damn creation and start recognizing you're a participant in this process. And that 95% of your life is not even coming from your wishes and desires. So what shows up has nothing to necessarily connect you with that. All you have to say, it's not working. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be happy, but I'm not. You know, I want to be healthy, I'm not. And I'm going, huh, let's blame the world. And I go, well, that's what you've been doing. I go, yeah. but that's where the problem comes from. Yeah. Quantum physics, consciousness mm -hmm. is creating your life experience. So if we're on this verge of, you know, extinction due to being so disconnected from nature and our natural rhythms, I mean, just specifically our own body rhythms with sleep, movement, eating cycles, just those things alone. Um, and ultimately we have to be active participants. It's time that the listeners who are sitting around, you know, identifying with the victim hood right now is the best place for them to start with first just observing their own behavior and and starting to create the awareness as to how they're playing a role in all of this 100 you can't fix it if you don't know what you want to fix mm -hmm. so i said well what do i want to fix i said well no. i'm not making relationships i want to fix it i said why am i not making relationships because i'm not adorable no <laughs> right i'm not making relationships because my programming puts people off Right. So the point is what? I want relationships. Well, I can't change them. I can sure as hell change me. And if we're not choosing to change ourselves, then, then that you are choosing that to live hard. exactly the way it is. Exactly. That is the choice. You have a choice. Yeah. I don't have to change anything. I just have to accept the way it is. And I go, yeah, but you are making it the way it is. And if you don't like it, then you can't wait for the outside to change it. It has to be you because you are unconsciously creating this. Uh, and again, just bring in the concept of what's the difference between placebo versus what is called nocebo. Mm -hmm. Placebo is the healing, the joy, the love, and everything that comes from the belief in it. So nocebo it, is all the negative things that manifest because of the belief in it. <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. So do you believe that with this human consciousness that 51% of the population has the ability to shift their perception and take responsibility? Or do you think that 
the programs that we've inherited, you know, have the stranglehold and, and is there any way of getting out of this? I am out of it, babes. <laughs> I'm out. Hey, a great book if people want to read it. Uh, it's called Dying to Be Me by uh, Anita Morjani. Okay. I want people to understand that because the life and consciousness that she had led to cancer. She had four years of cancer. At the end of four years, she was in a hospital on machines because her respiratory and other systems were failing. She was so emaciated, lumps of cancer were sticking out in her neck and in her groin. And, um, and this is four years. Uh, and she goes into a coma and the oncologist that has taken care of her four years calls her family and says, when the patient goes into a coma, that's signaling that's the end. Mm -hmm. But while she was in a coma, she had what's called a near-death experience. Uh, she was out of body. And in that out of body, she met her father, who she thought had she had destroyed the relationship because she was supposed to be in an arranged marriage in an Indian family. And then two days before the marriage walked out and that, you know, the family then got, you know, like all the negative people, everybody, go, oh, bad family, you know, and then she was responsible and she thought she lost her father's love. Out of body, she meets a spirit. The father says something very profound, which leads to a simple point, which I love. And that was what happens on earth stays on earth, oh, I which I love, and, and, and said, no, I, I never lost love for you. We've always, you know, I've always been supporting and loving you and all that. And then as usual in these situations, she was given a choice. Do you want to stay here in this other zone or go back to earth? Mm -hmm. And she looked at herself at an earth above her body in the bed, all with cancer crap and going on. Uh, but what she also noticed was her husband, Danny, who left his job and took care of her for two years mm -hmm. because she, she was sick for getting worse for two years. He, he left his job. She said in her consciousness, she said, if I don't go back, he's going to get sick. So she said, I'm going to go back. But she came back with what? Resolution of what? The consciousness fear of alienating her father. Mm -hmm was what led to the cancer. Mm. She came back after having communicated with her father who said everything was okay. Yeah. And guess what? Within hours of waking up from the coma, they took all the life support machines off because she was functioning. Wow. Within three weeks, within three weeks, all the cancer was gone. Mm -hmm. And I go, when did this happen? On the last day of her life. Yeah, that's... That's amazing. And it just really speaks to the power of validation, right? I mean, it's like, it's not that, oh, I got some months to figure this out. She has like, no, you're dead now or right. you change. <laughs> right. And with that change, she came back and the cancer disappeared. Why? The cancer is not caused by genes. Cancer is caused by disharmony in the system. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that disharmony was the alienation of her father. And when that was resolved, the cancer went away. Yeah. Why? Because that the cancer was an expression of alienation. No alienation, no cancer. Right. I just want people to know the, the important fact was this. It was on the last day of her life. <laughs> that's that is like, well, I was pushing it to the end, babes. Right. <laughs> but I, I mean, it just it, it speaks to so many levels of this experience that we're here, you know, having and what a gift, right? How beautiful, what a gift. Also, this idea, you know, um, 
I, I can't remember, it was about five years ago, I was at a gut health conference and I remember the presenter saying that the number one thought that elicited the stress response in the body is shame. Well, this woman is living a life of shame and guilt for having, you know, walked out on this arranged marriage and, you know, feeling bad about what she did to her father, that it literally just manifested all energetically in, in a cellular level that then created the, um, the physical mass, no pun intended, right? Masses that showed up. Yeah. Uh, 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 and the beautiful part is, and people don't get this, you ready? Cancer is a symptom, not a problem, meaning it didn't cause itself. Mm -hmm. It was caused by something else. And you can do, kill all the damn cancer cells you want, but until you address the cause of the cancer, you'll be liable to get another cancer right away. And the point is what? Killing the symptom doesn't change where the problem came from. There's no gene that causes cancer. It was not part of the mechanism at all. It wasn't designed that way. The cancer came from the consciousness which adjusted those genes. Right. And, and this is true for every aspect of our life. Are you living the life you want? Or are you living, well, I'll put up with this. Stuff. And I go, why are you putting up with this stuff? Well, that's the way life is. And I go, no, it isn't. It is when you create it that way. Right. But you can change. Can you change? Yeah. And it may not be easy. It may be like, I have to leave this job. Mm -hmm. Why? The, the illness of a patient is a reflection of an environmental stimulus. Mm -hmm. Only 1% of illness actually came from the genes on the inside. Right. All the other illness is a reflection of something going on on the outside. Right. And we want to always fix this, kill the cells, put the chemistry in there, throw the drugs up in there and do all that. And I go, that's not where the problem came from, Right. from here. And that's quantum physics, that's epigenetics. Mm -hmm. Cancer is epigenetic. It's not genetic, it's epigenetic. So, so do you think that science and medicine are gonna catch up to the new science and medicine information that is associated with quantum physics? Or do you think that this is gonna continue to be uh, kept from us as much as possible because the systems are so profitable? Well, that's for the problem. The, the systems are profitable and they don't want to change, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, the significance. There is a new kind of medicine coming. It's called functional medicine, not allopathic, which is conventional medicine. Functional medicine takes into consideration everything we're talking about as a contributor to the overall expression of health, my environment, my consciousness, my relationships, all of these impact my health. And if the person goes to the doctor and says, look at me, I got a problem right here. And the doctor says, yes, I'm looking at you right here. Here's your problem. I said, then the doctor doesn't understand something. That is what you got there because of outside situations that pushed you there. Now he looks at it as a broken machine says, well, I'm going to fix the machine. I go, yeah, but if you didn't understand what broke the machine, you can keep repairing it. You know, a person's got a new car, they wear out the brakes really fast they go to the store and they put the new brakes and say should have last longer that and then they come back shortly again the brakes worn out again and again i said well, what was the problem the brakes are bad no as the person drives away they see they kept one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas mm -hmm. and i say so what are you gonna do keep replacing the brakes or teach the person how to drive and the vehicle body is something similar to that if it breaks down very small percent has to do with the mechanism 
The largest percent of breakdown is the driver consciousness and subconsciousness. And so well, based on today's conversation, I think the main takeaway here is that there isn't going to be someone down coming down to save us. It's not going to be a governmental AG or some three-letter acronym that's going to fix everything. There isn't going to be a mystical figure that drops out of the sky and saves us. It's ultimately, it's our consciousness. It's that perception. It's that choice on how we choose to respond to what is happening to us in the now. 100%. That's exactly the whole story in that nutshell right there. Now, of course, the issue was, and people say, well, okay, now I'm caught in the mess. Yeah. How do I get out of the mess? And then we mentioned that. Mm-hmm. The mess is caused by the subconscious programming and you can change that. Yes. And then all of a sudden I say, oh, well, that's the source of empowerment. Mm-hmm. You want your power back? Then get rid of the programs that have taken away your power. Yeah. And by rewriting subconscious, you can put in programs that enhance it uh, and give you that vital uh, character of life. Yes. Okay? Uh, we have to stop being victims of this. And yet if we're programmed to be victims, that's why we're programmed to look for help from other people mm-hmm. uh and, and and of course there's always a price tag how much is it going to cost to heal me from these other things yeah I, I, I i'm not a friend of the pharmaceutical company obviously uh, i believe in natural remedies guess what penicillin is a natural remedy <laughs> you know aspirin that's a natural remedy okay yeah. prozac not so natural right. okay uh so the the point about all this is that they're selling us drugs by telling us that it's the chemical that's going to change your life. Mm-hmm. I say that only works in the placebo mode. Right. Okay. So then the chemical, the chemistry is actually a thought. Yes. Because what? the thought is, this is the function of the mind and brain. The mind has the picture of the thought. Mm-hmm. The brain translates that into complementary chemistry. It's like the, the reverse of paint by numbers. Right. Paint by numbers, you get a whole paint box for all the paints, and then you get an outline of a picture with numbers. And you take this paint with number four and you put it in that spot that says number four. So I say, oh, then you're creating a picture by taking the paints, assembling them in the structure to make the picture. And I go, and it works the other way around. Consciousness has the picture and the brain is to take it apart and turn it into the paint. (laughs) And then the paint is the chemistry released by the brain, which then paints your body to manifest the consciousness. Mm-hmm. So my thought is we better take advantage of these thoughts while we still can before those are intercepted. <laughs> and then we have a whole new problem that we're dealing with. Well, that, that's it. The only way you're going to get out of this mess is to take the power back. Because yeah. if you just wait for someone on the outside to help you, the only reason they're going to help you is because there's some money involved in there. And that's why 1% ends up with the money and the rest of us are working to pay them for the drugs the other things, whatever they programmed us to want. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now that I want it, who do I pay to get it? Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, And unfortunately, religion is a little bit like this. Because it's part of that 400 year plan, right? It's part of that last 400 years. But it works really well because when you think about religion and I I don't, you know, I hate to be controversial here, but I am. with my opinion of organized religion, it's done a great job of keeping people in a situation of feeling judged, criticism, shame, guilt, 
all of these things that then elicit this negative thought cycle that then initiate the subconscious belief and habitual patterns that support all of these profitable broken systems. And I think that what we've experienced over the last two years is a perfect example of yeah. the whole thing put into motion. It's like test. Let's see how well we've done over these last 70 years. Do we have them where we want them or this is this is happening and let me just give a little idea of why something is so critical not because there's also the extinction going on okay because the leadership is like ah the extinction that's down the road it's not that far down the road ladies and gentlemen but what they're aware of and the public is not aware of is that the economic system is a pyramid scheme Mm -hmm. Pyramid schemes work until a certain point where then the pyramid is top heavy and it falls apart. It's knowledge that they already have that this thing is falling apart. They already know it. They know that in a very short time, money is going to be the biggest problem in the world because money is made out of paper. And today the paper is worth this much and tomorrow's worth that much. I mean, and all of a sudden it says, and where's the value of the money? It says they change it from day to day. I say if the belief collapses, then there is nothing behind that paper. In the old days, you could take the paper and say, you know, I got $5 bill. I said, give me $5 worth of silver. (laughs) And I would get it. Today, I got $5 bill. I take it to the bank and say, give me something. He said, what do you want? (laughs) Money. I said, well, here, you can have $5 back. (laughs) It's like, wait. (laughs) Uh, The issue is, so they know it's coming. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a global catastrophe. Mm-hmm. If all just imagine one day everybody around the world wakes up and they go to the ATM, ATM machine and nothing comes out of it, mm-hmm. going to be some problem. Oh, yeah. They know there's going to be some problems. Their job in their mind is to put the controls on a system so it doesn't explode. Right. Okay. The working model recently is the uh, COVID scheme. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and what it showed is, yes, a small number of people can redirect the behavior of entire population of the planet. And the emphasis was what? Break the community up because then people have no power. So if a catastrophe occurs, but people have no power, then everybody's sitting at home going, oh, nobody's going to do anything. Right. Nothing they can do because right. they have no power. And they are working on this right now. And so who's going to make it through? Well, Heather, you're going to make it through and I'm going to make it through. You know, people always talk about the Great Depression when everybody lost everything. I say, yeah, not everybody lost everything. Right. A lot of people made a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. Right? Yeah. Well, we're facing a collapse. Is it going to affect everybody? I go, nope. Yeah. It's going to affect all the weak ones. Exactly. The ones on the outside are going to look at it from outside and go, ooh, you got a collapse going on over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you won't. We won't be in the collapse. Well, and this is where sustainability sovereignty, being able to really just think and take care of yourself and your human basic needs are the, you know, fundamental solution for everything. But that's self-empowerment. Yeah. uh, You know, and think about it this, there's some people don't even know how to change the damn light bulb if it breaks. Right. I go, well, they have no power, do they? No. And and for me, this is where I have to come to acceptance that there is part of civilization that really does want to go down that timeline, especially integrating with the whole AI component of things and transhumanism. That that, that transhuman 
And then there's this other part of us that want to get back to basics and get back to the natural laws. And I know that for me, that's ultimately where I feel content and my happiest and my body feels in alignment and I feel like I can thrive. And, and that's what I'm aiming for on a daily basis. And through- uh, yes, and this is why I'm here. And this, and this is what I was going to exactly say. Is- I pulled out of that to recognize what is it that I want, not what they tell me, what is it I want, and start to manifest these things right away. Uh, and and the, this thing is falling apart. So the idea is, well, then what does nature want? Nature says harmony. Right. A garden is not a battleground. A garden is the height of cooperation. We came from a garden, right. and turned it into a battleground with human behavior, destroying the garden, and then people say, we're going to find another planet. And I go, you stupid people. You're stupid. Yeah. Stop killing yourselves and each other. The earth will regenerate itself mm-hmm. if we get out of the way. Right. <laughs> uh, and they think, oh, no, we have to leave. And we have to be transhuman. We're not good enough. I go, do you even know why the hell you're here? Right. And the answer is we came here to create and have experiences. Mm-hmm. If you want to take my experiences away and put them in a computer, then I have... I've lost my meaning for being here. Right. My meaning is, hey, intellectually in a computer, you can write an essay of love, 500 pages. I go and tell me um, without having a body and the chemistry of love in it, what does love feel like? I mean, you've written a conscious thing about love, but you can't tell me what love feels like. It's not in the machine. Right. It's in this. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I say, then why would I want to give up the sensory joy of living in harmony and beauty and love, smelling the flowers, seeing the, the landscapes, watching the animals, you know, the, the joy of kids growing up and laughter and all this stuff. Why do I want to put that on a computer? Right. I'm here because I have a mechanism that translates that into sensation. Mm-hmm. I do not want to die without having experienced love. Right. I could read all the books on love. But if I've never experienced love, then I'm missing the greatest part because the book will not give it to you. It's your body that will give it to you. If you become transhuman, what you're trying to say is my body's not good enough, but we'll enhance it with the machine. Right. Well, and that's, you know, when you're speaking to this whole sensory and emotional experience, we have this thing called the heart and this heart has an EMF field in it that generates energy that projects in all directions how many feet beyond this physical body oh a minimum 12 15 feet minimum yeah okay and that's because of the sensory capability of the test instrument if it was more sensitive you could move much farther away with it but the current technology sensitivity is 12 15 feet i can still read your heartbeat from over there electrically Uh, and so keeping Here's us away point. from each other, keeping us, you know, consumed with technology, all of these things work against us when it comes to having the ability to really regenerate and utilize our natural innate nature gifts, natural we're, biological gifts. We're, we're dying because we lost the mission. Mm-hmm. We lost the vision. Mm-hmm. We should live minimum 150 years. Mm-hmm. But the, our lifestyle cancels that. Yeah. Uh, and the point is, well, what do I have to change my genes? That's transhuman. Let's change all that. And I go, no, you have to change the lifestyle. I can live to 150. Do I need your drugs? I love this one. Why? 
well, you got to take these drugs because they'll adjust your cells. And I go, fact, a drug is a chemical that when you take it should bind to a receptor on a cell, chemical plugs into the receptor and activates the cell. Then the point is, was the receptor design waiting for the drug company to make it? And I go, no, the receptor was designed because you already can make that chemical. This receptor wasn't waiting for future. The receptor says you have it because you have the capability of making the chemical. Do I need to buy the drug? I say, no, you don't need to buy the drug. What you need to do is engage the same pharmacy in your head, mm -hmm. which will manufacture the drug perfectly with no side effects. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. The, the drug is crude. It doesn't, uh, it's 300,000 people die every year from prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, they got a war on illegal drugs. You know, 35,000 people died from illegal drugs. I go, oh God, the war. And I said, 300,000 people died from prescription drugs. They go, yep. eh, that's the cost of doing medicine. You know, it, this, this specific conversation triggers me because I actually had to go to a, I had to, uh, generate a gen, general doctor. I had to go and have a wellness checkup because I finally got insurance and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so long story short, this morning they asked me three questions, okay? The three questions. Number one, are these in, are you taking any medications? Number two, do you have any allergies to medications? And number three, are you experiencing any pain? <laughs> and I went, wow. So as I mentioned, I work in mental health and substance abuse. And what I find is that most of these individuals who are going through the programs, they, they got put in the system at around 9, 10, 11, 12 years old with some sort of softball injury or swimming injury. And they had a pain and they got put on these meds. And then it started, you know, the cycle of them becoming the victim. And, and now they're in so many different broken systems. They don't know how to get themselves out. So Man, what a, um, yeah, I, this has been such a privilege. I just wanted to say thank you to you and all of the work that you've done, because I know since the late 60s, when you started really speaking out about stem cells and this idea of environment and the chemistry and the environment is, you know, ultimately what dictates the outcomes of cell behavior You've really had a, a battle to uh, face, you know, in terms of just not being accepted. And but, I. But you know what the beautiful part, Heather? The beautiful part was this. I was given a choice. They said, Bruce, your ideas are wrong. Mm -hmm. And I go, no, let's think about this. If I see the I'm living my life according to my ideas. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I will never let them go and go back to your idea because my life wasn't that good when I was living your idea. Mm -hmm. And I might be wrong, but I am happier and healthier than I've ever been in my life with what might be the wrong idea. Do I need to fight you? No. Do I give a damn? No. You don't want to do it? Fine. That's okay. I'm over here mm -hmm. and I'm going to do this. And as I, you know, the important part was uh, I had the principles of all this awareness, tried to bring people in and tell them, here are the principles. And then they looked at my life and go, but your life doesn't match the principles. Mm -hmm. And they didn't listen to me. Well, and, and I that think that was the wake up call. That was the wake up call. I said, maybe you shouldn't talk about this. Maybe you should do it. <laughs> yeah. And the moment I did, then my life was radically changed. And that coming with that change was the fact that why would I go back there? When I'm over here yeah. with, a, with a much better life, why would, even if I'm wrong, I'd rather be over here than to be right and be over there. And I'm with oh, you, my friend. 
<laughs> so the idea was just go out and live your life. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you enjoy it, then keep doing it. And if you don't enjoy it, then stop doing it. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, what do you think again, about that? Again, this goes, it's too simple. It's just too damn simple. <laughs> oh, humans, we are so cute <laughs> in our complexities. Honestly, Bruce, this has truly been an honor. Um, you are something that I manifested for myself a long time ago, and I truly appreciate you. You've been very influential in my ability to validate that intuitive beliefs within myself. You were out speaking about it, gave me that validation to then be empowered to share this with others. So I thank you so much. Oh, but I thank you, darling Heather. For, I thank you because you changed your life. I didn't change it. I offered you information. Mm -hmm. You took that information and you changed your life. You're the powerful person. I just said information. I didn't do, you had to do it yourself. I didn't do it, okay? So I want you to honor the fact that Yes, you created this change. You empowered your life not to be uh, the catastrophe of the prognosis. Right. 28 years ago, I bought 28 quality years on my life from that day that they told me I only had five years to live. And I celebrate that. I, I celebrate that. you celebrating that. Thank you. Well, truly such an honor, such a pleasure. I look forward to this new book that you're working on. Is that- uh, It's a slow process. I'm enjoying my life a little bit much. <laughs> well, as should be, as should be. But, you know, I love all of the things that you're doing. And how can the audience stay, you know, stay on top of what you're doing? How can they connect with you? I just love it because it's simple. BruceLipton.com. Everything we talked about, there are videos, audios, written articles, all supporting everything we said, freely downloadable at BruceLipton.com. Uh, and, and for me, one of the things that's really fun is if you sign up for my newsletter and I go, it's free, sign up for it. But why is it fun? Because my nephew, Alex, who's my videographer, he and I produce these little episodes every month that goes along with a newsletter and they're on youtube there's a whole channel of these on youtube they're fun most of them they're message providing but most of them are fun and message providing uh and we enjoy making them and the feedback is a lot of people enjoy watching them so it's like hey it's a freebie Just yeah well newsletter how can it not? And I think for me, one of the most, you know, impactful things about you as an educator is that you're very animated, you're very engaged with the audience and storytelling. And that's, you know, what really makes that sense. That's what helps connect with the sens sensual, sensory, however you say yeah, it. But this is again, what was different when I first tried to do this, and I was just giving the science and everybody went, mm -hmm. When I started to express the science of the joy of being on this planet, the joy of being alive, then they paid attention. Yeah. And I express this every day. I am so happy that uh, I haven't been angry in an emotional, physiological sense. Intellectually, I'm a little upset with a lot of things going on, but it doesn't affect me physiologically. That's and it's really wonderful to live in a world where anger doesn't come back into the system at all. That's beautiful. It's very, very peaceful inside. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> Something that we should all be striving for. 
Well, Bruce, thank you so much. And I myself am vowing and committing to my consciousness and helping us get out of this predicament that we are currently in. So thank you for all of the information and the little tips to help motivate others to take action and get started today. Heather, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you doing what you're doing. And I also want to say to our audience, I appreciate you for listening. Because this is an opportunity. If you empower yourself, my life gets better. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.